This is the Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute, episode number 15. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Linda Martin, who I recently met at a cocktail party in Houston. Linda, welcome to the show. Hi, Jill. <laughs> so what makes, what makes us uh, want to have you on the Accidental Safety Pro when we just accidentally met at a... <laughs> At a at a cocktail party in Houston, our listeners might be wondering. <laughs> I, I I think <laughs> it's it's a, so we were both we both happened to be attending the um, National Safety um, Council's annual um, conference in Houston, and Linda, you walked across the stage to receive the 2018 Marion Martin Award recognizing influential women in safety, and I was standing in the room when you crossed the stage to get the award and I was waiting and waiting to hear your story because I thought this woman's got to be phenomenal and then they just hand you the cool little thing and then you walk off and I'm like what (laughs) (laughs) I was a little confused too on stage I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing but yeah it was yeah thousands of people in the audience right no worries I got this (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so it just so happened that the universe drew us back together so I could hear the rest of the story um, by way of of a cocktail party that was being hosted by the Board of Certified Safety Professionals later that evening. I get to walk in this tiny little room and there you are. I'm like, yes, I might get to hear her story. (laughs) Many, many stories, right? Many, many stories. And it turns out we're both from the Midwest. So we immediately bonded over our um, accents. Right. I'm from Wisconsin. You're from Minnesota. So it's about the same, right? It is about it is about the same, (laughs) though you might have lost a little bit of your Midwest accent um, living on the East Coast now. I I have. And and you know what? The the only time that I really kind of get it back is when I'm with people from the Midwest or talking to my mother on the phone. (laughs) <laughs> and then it comes back. And then it comes back with a vengeance. It's not a bad thing. It, no, it's not. It just uh, makes people laugh a little bit. That's um, right. Yeah, especially when we say boat and soup in um, Minnesota. Bubbler. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Linda, to get into your story, I think let's back up a little bit and I'd like to tell the audience a little bit more about you, about your about your credentials and um because because it's pretty interesting and you've been in the practice for 28 years and so when you're normally professionally introduced, it might not sound like, "Hey, this is somebody I met at a cocktail party." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> So, all right. So let's uh, let's do this. I'm okay. going to formally introduce you, and then let's tell our audience how you got into safety accidentally. Sure. So I so I mentioned that uh, that you have 28 years in environmental health and safety profession, working in construction, general industry, and consulting. You are a certified safety professional, a certified industrial hygienist, a certified hazardous materials manager. You're also the 2018 president of the board of certified safety professionals, the chair of the Board of Certified Safety Professionals Foundation Board, and you're also the 11th editor of the National Safety Council's Supervisor Safety Manual, which was just published in uh, summer this summer. Right. Um, additionally... When the, all of that isn't going on, <laughs> you're a full-time faculty uh, member and online MS degree program coordinator at Keene State College Department of Safety and Occupational Health and Applied Sciences. Wow, that's, Linda. That sounds about right. It sounds about right. Did I miss anything? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, try to keep, I try to keep busy. I um, guess. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of a collector. Um, mm. I collect uh, gigs. Uh, of of the safety sort, I am always looking for an opportunity to to do something else. Mm-hmm. And many of those things that you listed, um, they they just kind of happened organically over time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one day I kind of looked up, and all of a sudden I was fully in the safety world, going to cocktail parties and meeting interesting <laughs> people. Um, <laughs> And, and it never really was my intention, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. What what was what was your intention? I mean, you're, you're a, a woman from Wisconsin. Um, right. Yeah. How did what was your intention, and what was the winding road? Yeah. So so I, I didn't get into safety traditionally, and I and I think that you know if people listen to your podcast, most of the people um, that you talk to, 
you know, didn't come right out of school with a safety degree. Maybe some of them did. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when I, when I was, I'm going to take you back to high school. When I was back in high school, um, you know, you went to the guidance counselor as a female and they said, you know, you took all the tests, right. Mm-hmm. And everybody came out with the same thing. You were either going to be a teacher mm-hmm. or you were going to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was what was pre- presented to me when I went to college and I kind of was like, wow, okay. Uh, why well, that two, sounds limiting. Yeah. I've got, I've got two choices here. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did, um, go to Winona state, um, originally to kind of do physical therapy, which is kind of a, a take on the healthcare profession right. and, um, only chose it because there, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I found my way into geology <laughs> um, <laughs> which in Minnesota is, is kind of a, kind of a big deal. It's a, uh, Winona state and U, U of M, uh, they're both geology schools, great mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated four years later, my, I was given again, a limiting kind of, uh, outlook of, of where I could go. I could either go into the oil business, mm-hmm. um, or environmental consulting, neither, neither which of I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you have to make a living. Right. So uh, I got into environmental consulting and just kind of over time found my way to safety. One of the things that really drew me was in my first several years of consulting in the environmental industry and hazardous waste was that it was right on the front end of the Hazwhopper standard. Mm, and, okay. and so that had just come out and, and companies were scrambling to kind of protect their workers. Um, and I worked for a company that, that didn't really care about that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I kind of woke up five years into my career, I thought, oh my goodness, you know, look at, look at all this exposure that yeah. has happened over my first five years of my career. And I was horrified. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of gradually, as I became uh, like a project manager, um, moved into a safety practice, kind of fleshed that <laughs> out as, as someplace that was of interest to me. Um, I felt that I could make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, it kind of intrinsically grew from there. Yeah. When you were doing that, was there anyone who planted a little seed of safety that you saw like, oh, that's what that is? Or what What did that look like back then? Or were you yeah. were you finding it yourself? So I was kind of finding it myself, but I but I will say this. I, I, I worked for a while um, early in my career. Um, what is now AECOM way back in the day was, was a company called Metcaffinetti. Hmm. And we were doing consulting, um, removing the airfield at Pease Air Force Base in Hmm. New Hampshire. And I had a manager, I was, I was in the field and I had a manager that said, Hey, now, uh, we're removing these 50,000 gallon storage tanks, Mm -hmm. um, from the infield of this, this airstrip. And Mm -hmm. I'd like you to run down that slope of sand. Oh, hop over, hop over this moat of water onto this concrete slab and, and hold the, um, the survey rod for me so that I can survey the bottom of that pad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I said, um, you know, I, I'm not going to do that. Um, good for you. And you're like in your <laughs> early twenties, right? So I was, I was about yeah. 23 or 24 and I said, yeah. no, I'm not going to, I I don't, it, that doesn't really seem safe to me. And, and, and that kind of was, was that aha moment of, you know, either somebody's going to back me here or they're not. And the safety director at the time actually he backed me and he came out and, and, hmm. and kind of, you know, shepherded in some, some new order to the, to how the field operations were going. And it really hmm. made a difference, mm-hmm. um, in, you know, wow, this, this person had the, had the authority to mm-hmm. come out and also the, the, the presence to change things, um, yeah. for the better. So, right. I mean, I, I think if there was any one time that I can remember in my career, it probably was the first time that I ever said no, Mm-hmm. Um, now mm-hmm. I, now I say it a lot, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but right. yeah. I, I would say it that saved that was you. one it, time. Yeah. And it likely saved your life that day. It probably did. It yeah. probably did. Hmm. So, um, so, you know, when you look at some of the things that you mentioned about me, when you kind of yeah. just listed off all that stuff, yeah. um, most of that has happened in the last, I would say five to eight years. Um, my service on the board, uh, my my service with the foundation, mm-hmm. several of my credentials, 
And um, I, th- I think that there was a consciousness on my part around 2009 or 10 that I was just going to make f- safety my full-time thing because that's what really sung to me. That was, mm-hmm. that was I, I didn't really want to do the environmental piece anymore. I was tired of it, never really wanted to do it. And mm-hmm. safety was, uh, it was something I was passionate about. You know, I, I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so five years ago, but backing up before that, so you stayed in that kind of environmental realm for a long time. And is that where you got into the, um, IH stuff as well? What I did. did. Like, yeah. Okay. What did those next jobs, um, what did those next jobs look like that kind of helped you get to that point where you said in 2009, you know, Okay. New chapter. <laughs> yeah. 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 So a- after, after I worked for a while with that company that I meant, just mentioned, um, yeah. Caffinetti, yeah. I, I kind of moved into more of a managerial role, um, so that I could, you know, develop projects, um, mm-hmm. and develop clients. Mm-hmm. And so it gave me more freedom to kind of do the things that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, to choose the jobs that I wanted to do and to choose my own direction. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, one of those uh, pieces was, you know, I had an early um, aversion to the exposure that I that I had in the field, and yeah. and it became kind of an industrial hygiene focus mm-hmm. for my consulting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for several years, I worked as a a project manager and a senior project manager in the environmental consulting industry, um, and you know probably a third of my practice was, was safety consulting was IH. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and I want to say, so 2009, I started taking a lot of, a lot more courses because I thought, you know, it would be helpful if I round out, uh, some of my educational, uh, piece. And I started, people will kind of chuckle at this, but I started at the OSHA education Institute, Sure. Um, the one of the, one of the OT, OTI centers. One okay. of the OTI centers, and mm-hmm. and it was affiliated with Keen. Um, and the more I learned, the more excited I got. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The the more uh, depth my my knowledge had, my practice mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. and um, I found myself getting a master's degree in safety. <laughs> um, and and here I am now getting a PhD. And so, wow. um, what I'd like to say is, you know that that high school guidance counselor was kind of right in that I've come full circle now and I'm a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we want to give that much credit to that Uh, guidance counselor. (laughs) Well, well, you know, I mean, sometimes the universe works in mysterious ways, right? And, um, you know, my, my mother and my grandmother, um, both were, were teachers. Hmm. Um, my, my mother formally, my grandmother informally, and so I kind of see it as, as this rite of passage, um, in my family to become a teacher of something mm. that I really care about. Mm. So it is in, it's in your bones. It's in my bones. Uh, it's in your bones. That's, that's pretty neat. So you, you teach now at the college, but you also do something in the crane industry. Do you have like a dual career track or what does that look like? I, I, you know, I do. I, I, like I said, in around 2009, I got into safety full time as a corporate safety director. And mm-hmm. I also um, did some consulting on the side. And, um, you know, what people will find when they get in the industry and they start networking is that, you know, somebody knows somebody who can help you with, um, you know, different things. And I was introduced with mm-hmm. um, an operations manager at a crane company around mm-hmm. 2014 or 15. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of consulting for them. Um, and it was a very familiar industry. My father comes from a construction background. And so I've been around construction workers and mm-hmm. in, in the construction industry all my life. And when I mm-hmm. started doing consulting for this uh, crane firm, I was like, wow, you know, I, I love safety and I, I love big equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and it feels like home a little and bit. It feels like home a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, the, the more I did con- in the consulting realm for them, um, you know, he eventually just said, you know, you might as well just come work for us. Um, <laughs> you know, which is a good thing, right. That's, yes, that speaks is. volumes about, you know, what you're doing for, for a company. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I would say, yeah, it's kind of a dual career. I mean, I, I still do a lot of work, um, for them and, uh, you know, I, I feel connected because mm-hmm. that, that's kind of where my roots are. And so, yeah. um, keeps yeah, you grounded. Keep, maybe it keeps me grounded. Yeah. I yeah. do it in my spare time. 
<laughs> wherever that is. Wherever that so, is. So what is it, you know, you're in this, you're a faculty member at, at Keene State. Um, what's that like for you? Or maybe if we have um, potential students listening who are like, hmm, you know, there's, there's another university because there's so few programs in the country. Um, what's, tell us about what, um, what yours is like and maybe what your role is. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, I, I kind of, um, came to academia, um, through a person on the, on the board, Sherry Marcham, and Mm -hmm. she's, she's an IH, uh, we were on the board together the first couple of years and she said, you know, you ought to teach. And, Mm -hmm. and she got me involved with a couple adjunct, uh, places and I've been adjuncting online for quite some time and Keene State College is in my, in my backyard, Mm -hmm. uh, figuratively speaking, a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. And I became involved uh, with them because they were uh, putting together the first construction safety ma- uh, major, undergraduate major in the country. Wow, that's interesting. Right. I had no idea. Huh. And, they, and they put together this advisory council. And, mm-hmm. and so they asked me to kind of participate in that, yeah. um, helping kind of flesh out what, what that would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, got to know a bunch of people there. Again, here comes the networking piece mm-hmm. and, um, became, uh, kind of friendly with the Dean and the department chair. And they kept asking me mm-hmm. when you come, when are you going to come to work for us? When are you going to come to work for us? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, a two hour drive to work. Um, yeah, it doesn't uh, sound very appealing. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but they, once they kind of hammered out this construction safety program, which went live this fall, um, they came back to me and they said, okay, um, realize you don't want to move to Keene, but, um, we're putting together this online master's program. Yeah. And we realize that that's in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you do that for us? Hmm. So that's kind of what my role is right now is I'm mm-hmm. putting together their online masters from their existing hybrid program. Mm-hmm. And teaching in their program, I'm also putting together the adjunct team, doing a lot of the learning management system work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really kind of a fulfilling, it, it, it's a Jane of all trades, if you will. Right, right. And, um, and you're breaking ground. I mean, in, in uh, the first construction safety focus program. That's, right, right. That's fantastic. And my, my goal for our master's program is to to eventually have a, a construction safety option at the master's level. Yeah. Um, so I'm always thinking of the next best thing, get this online program going for the <laughs> mm-hmm. masters and then mm-hmm. uh, roll some of the construction program online. Because I, I guess where I see the gap um, right now for education is that we have a lot of people, and this goes to the, to the theme of your show, we have a lot of people who find safety later in their careers, or Mm -hmm. they become a safety professional by, you know, somebody saying this is now going to be part of your job. Mm -hmm. And when you're a working professional, um, it's really hard to go to a brick and mortar school and get that undergraduate degree if that's what you wish. Mm -hmm. And I, I see more so in the construction industry, this type of person, the type of Mm -hmm. person that, um, normally would not have a chance to achieve their bachelor's degree. Um, but the online school is now making that possible for them. And so Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be great if we had an online construction safety undergraduate or, or masters? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the, so many of us are generalists in safety because we've kind of had to do it all the, like you said, Jane of all trades. Right. And, and for those of us who really want to focus on one industry or another, you know, like, just like, let's step away from general industry and focus on construction. If that's where you are, um, that would be so powerful and getting people, um, I don't know, I don't know if up to speed is the right word, but, um, into their careers faster with more tools at their disposal, if they're already working in the, in the field. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Well, thank you for doing that. Thanks for being a groundbreaker. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. But okay. All right. It sounds like you are. It sounds like you are. I've, I've always got the next thing kind of brewing in the back of my mind. I'm not so sure that my family quite likes the, the amount of time I spend thinking of the next thing I'm going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But mm-hmm. I think um, day, I think daydreaming is a thing. I call it daydreaming. I'm always thinking about what is the next thing as well. Um, and it means that I have lots of like sticky notes with my gr- latest, greatest ideas, like stuffed in all kinds of places. Mm-hmm. And a few of them, you know, rise to the top <laughs> every once in a while. Right. Uh, Mine's a little book. I keep a little book in my cab in my truck and I, I write down things that I'm kind of thinking of for the, for either for the, the board certified mm-hmm. safety professionals or the foundation or, or mm-hmm. even kind of career wise, like how can, how can I do better? How can I help? How can I, um, mentor somebody so that when I leave this field, it's, it's better for, you yeah. know, for me being there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I also, I don't know about you, but I also spend time figuring out like, as I age into this career, what are my values that drive me to that next thing? Mm-hmm you know, and, and focus on that. I recently did a, a values exercise through a, a leadership book that I'm reading and it made you figure out what your two greatest values were. Oh, what were they? Right. I'm curious. And, and it's like, it's, it's like a, it, it's like a list of hundreds and you have to keep narrowing it down and narrowing it down. And I narrowed it down to, um, dignity mm-hmm. and perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, the perseverance was really easy for me to pick because I know I have that. I have it in spades. It's what has always propelled me to the next thing or to get anything done in life. And the dignity piece, I, you know, as you're looking at all of these other words, I'm like, you know, it really goes back to dignity. I want dignity for all human beings. That's why I do the job that I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so just, just like doing that piece has, has, um, like every time I make a decision in something career wise, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's what's driving me. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I can kind of, it resonates with me, the, the perseverance. Um, yeah. I, and I think dignity uh, that that's pretty cool that that rose to the top. I think, you know, one of the things that I think about continually in, in our field, because it's so easy to not have, mm-hmm. um, is a sense of, of direction, professional ethics. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I, I think out of, I mean, I don't know what was on your, on the big long list, but, but ethics usually rises to the top mm-hmm. for me because I feel like, um, you know, with all these regulations and, and nobody really watching over your shoulder every day, yeah. you know, what guides you to do the right thing and mm-hmm. to, to not accept any different from your mm-hmm. employees or, or your coworkers. Right. That's, that's funny that you say that my, I had my son do the same exercise with me because I was just curious. He's 16 years old and ethics was his. And I'm like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense for you. He's been this tireless advocate for people if he felt somebody was being wronged for some reason since he was in kindergarten you know he'd like he'd like march kids to the principal's (laughs) office with a a group of people and say hey somebody's making fun of so-and-so at the lunch table they're not our friend but it's still not right (laughs) and I'm like okay that's good parenting good parenting Thank you. And, uh, and, uh, perseverance was his second one because he is a, a lot like his mother. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you brought up this great point about eth- ethics in our business, in our, in our, in our practice. What, what do you think that looks like, particularly as you have an opportunity to have, you know, you you've been in the field for a long time. What does that, what does that look like to you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it, um, it kind of envelops, uh, the sense of, of right and wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, it like, what does it look like in the field? I would say, it, you know, it's doing, it's doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Like I said, it's, yeah. it's choosing, um, the, the right course of action, even though it's hard, mm-hmm. um, and speaking up. I mean, I think a lot of times in our, in our career field, you can get into a situation where an employer doesn't want you to speak up. You're just that person there that they trot out if they need you. Yes. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure that rings true for a lot of your listeners, you know, Mm -hmm. they they want safety, but they want safety to be silent. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a, a strong sense of professional ethics, uh, pushes us to, to always speak up, um, not only for the workers, but for the overall good of, of, Mm -hmm you know, the world, mm-hmm. if you will, the, the whole workplace. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I call it the hill worth dying on. Mm-hmm. 
And I imagine this hill or a line in my head when faced with something that, I mean, because you know when you're in that moment because your gut is telling you something and you're starting to get nervous or twitchy or however however people know they're in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I really try to pay attention to that and ask myself, okay, is this the hill? Right. And then if it is, then I'm going to dig in and persevere. And if it's not, and that's by way of like, you know, risk management, what is this about? Is there a business decision to be made here? Somebody's life on the line, you know, all that stuff that we go through as a safety professional and then decide how to execute. (laughs) Well, I think as we age into our careers, we, we intuitively know that. I mean, you're probably asking all those questions in a split second. Yeah. Um, What I will say is, you know, early in my career, I probably was more silent than I am now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, one of the benefits of being 28 years in the profession or more is that, um, you know, your value, yeah. um, you have a sense of, you know, maybe this is the hill worth dying on because I can get another job, right. Mm-hmm. And right. it's more important <laughs> to speak up. And so mm-hmm. what I, what I see more is on the, on the younger edge end of the spectrum, um, where people early in their careers, they, they don't really have that luxury, yeah. um, a lot of the time. And so, cause they you know, need a paycheck, they mm-hmm. need a paycheck and, and we all need a paycheck, but, yeah. um, you know, one of the things I think that benefits me as I've gotten older and, and more years in the field is that I can, I can die on that hill, um, and maybe make it better for somebody else coming right. along behind right. me. And that, that's fine. Yeah. And be okay with that. Right. right. You know, I, I think, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what that was like early in a career. You know, you're, you and I both started in safety in our 20s, mm-hmm. and we're women, mm-hmm. and um, it sounds like your path often led you to being in more, not, not only are, are women continuing to be a, a minority in our field, but the fields where you were working we're also pretty male dominated in construction trades and a lot of that environmental piece. Um, what did that look like for you in terms of how did you find your voice uh, and build into that? I've always had a voice, Jill. <laughs> um, but I will say, um, <laughs> I got that joke. Yeah, I've always had a, I've always had a voice. Um, Sorry, a little, little slow on me there. <laughs> so, one of the things that I've kind of prided myself on is that, you know, I don't like kind of, uh, plying my craft, if that's the right way to say it, mm-hmm. um, by, and, and maybe this is, this is the wrong way to say it too, by, by pulling the woman card, yeah. by either having, um, men do what I want in the field because it's a female asking or, um, change their behavior, you know, because I'm one of the guys, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I prided myself more on building, building a base rapport. Um, and, and that entails, well, first of all, you know, some of the older men that are in construction, um, and this kind of generates itself as new people come in, they see safety as here comes the safety cop. Mm-hmm. Right. Here, mm-hmm. Here, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to tell me to put my hard hat on mm-hmm. and I'm going to chuckle about it. And then when mm-hmm. she leaves, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do Take whatever, it off. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Do whatever I want. Just, just, you know, placate her. Yep. Um, but, um, to actually kind of come in and say, you know, listen, I, you know, I'm not here to do that. I'm, I'm here to, to try to help you do mm-hmm. a task better. And, and number one, I want to hear why you're doing it the way you are, because sometimes that's important. Yeah. So, you know, that, that gives them a sense of empowerment that, that they're part of the, part of the process. Mm-hmm. But also not to be that person that comes in and is, you know, barking orders or be the know-it-all. Um, mm-hmm. The safety, safety person, cop. Mm-hmm. The safety cop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, is that um, when people see you as the same, and, and by the same, I mean, you know, we all have the same concerns, right? I, mm-hmm. I want to do my job and, and I want to do my job because I make money and I can support my family and, you know, I, I love the weekends, Mm -hmm. Um, I love to get that, get to the weekends. I love it when it's five o'clock and I get to go home and, and Mm -hmm. hold my daughters on my lap. And Mm -hmm. so when you build that sense of, Hey, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. And I care that you have that same ability Mm -hmm. as I do, um, to, to go home at night. 
um, I, I think it goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And I never, at least in my professional practice, I never have had a problem with working with a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that, that it's not difficult. It, it has been very difficult over mm-hmm. the years. You know, if I was to give some advice to women, I would say, you know, come in and show your sameness. Mm-hmm. Um, that you have the same, same values and same uh, concerns. Listen a lot right? Mm-hmm. These guys mm-hmm. have been in the field for, you know, some of them 30 plus years right. and they do things because they've learned to adapt their tasks over a, a set amount of time. And just because they're doing something, not the way that you would do it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not safe. It might not be as safe as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's the listening part allows you to get to the point where you can have a conversation uh, right. about making something safer or maybe having a compromise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a powerful message um, for anyone young starting in their career and particularly um, for us um, as women as well is to find the sameness. That's the perfect, that's a perfect place to start and then continue building your rapport. And I think what you said about, you know, tell me about your job. Um, you know, I, I might call that tribal knowledge. Mm-hmm. And if you're standing next to um, a, a crane operator, or last week I was standing next to a man who was teaching me about a new pipe threader, and I'm like, okay, tell me about the pipe threader. This is, the, you know, you're in a you're in a, a electrical um, you're in the electrical trades. This is this is what you use. This is your tool every day. This is something new. They you know change some things on it. Tell me tell me about it. Teach me so that I can view it through my safety lens. But you're the expert on this particular thing. Tell me how you do it. Mm-hmm. And um, and it it kind of levels. I think I think when you find the sameness, like you said, and then ask people to teach you about what they're excellent at and where their expertise is. It, um, it kind of breaks down barriers and walls like, okay, I'm smart. And it's not the safety cop coming in. Who's going to tell me how everything's wrong. You know, right. you're listening. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know what? I, I think that's a really good, good story, Jill. I mean, allow yourself to get excited about a pipe threader. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, allow yourself to get excited about how a crane set gets set up or, mm-hmm. or how lift plans get done. Mm-hmm. And if you're not excited about that, then find the area of expertise and safety, if safety is your passion, find that area so that when somebody talks about their job, their excitement builds your excitement mm-hmm. and you work together to, to do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hmm. you know I mean? Allow yeah. yourself to get excited about the pipe setter. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. And did you like, sit, did you kind of, after that interaction, kind of like sit back and go, well, that's pretty cool. Right? I did. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I did. You know, and, and, and they, they can feel that somebody Mm -hmm. who's excited about the pipe threader, they can Mm -hmm. feel your excitement. And when they can feel your excitement for what they do and, and, and see that light of understanding, that's, that's your window. That's your window to, to make a difference Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in how they perform their work. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I, you're so right. And I think about the various trades and jobs and some jobs got me more excited and interested in others, particularly backhoe operators. Backhoe operators amaze me because they have this giant, giant equipment and they're operating it as if they're picking up like a paper clip off a tabletop. Absolutely. And they do it, they do it with this precision. And just to watch them do that or a crane operator making a pick. I was just going to say that it's the same same sort of Zen uh, feeling of Zen accomplishment of, of a task. Yeah. So every time I was standing on the edge, you know, not on the edge near an excavation, um, (laughs) with my job with OSHA, I'd just be in amazement at these operators and be like, wow, I don't, I don't think I could ever do that. Or maybe I could, but it's just, yeah, it, it right. their work always amazed me, and then it just made me ask more questions, like, "How did you learn that?" And, right, you and, know? and you know what? That goes a long way too. I mean, when you pay homage to the fact that that they are doing something with such ease, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's not uncommon for me to say to to pull somebody out of the cab and say, "You know, that was amazing." Mm-hmm. You know that I, I could never do that. Like, how do you do that? How do you learn that? And yeah. and you know, they kind of think. You know, wait a second. I'm amazing. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And, and yes, you are. And yes, yeah. you are. Right. Uh-huh. And I'm not. I, I don't know if it if it's emotional intelligence that that leads me to say stuff like that, or or mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that youthful kind of naivete. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't. I don't pull back on praise when praise is due. And I think that mm-hmm. also goes a long way in, in, mm-hmm. you know, being a, being a safety professional and changing minds about who you are and what your intent is. Right. Right. Well, and it, it leads to authentic conversations that you can have with people to then let them not view you as the safety cup, but someone who really authentically cares for their well being and them going home to our shared sameness. Right. 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 So you had mentioned uh, the Board of Certified Safety Professionals earlier, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, maybe since you're in the role as the as the current president, share with the audience a, a little bit about the board and maybe some opportunities that other safety professionals listening may not know about, something they can be taking advantage of or helping them shape their career. As with everything else, um, the board was something that I kind of fell into. Mm -hmm. It happened on a day that I probably didn't have a whole lot to do. And, you know, they send out that, that call for volunteers to be on the board. And I thought, yeah, I can do this. You know, so, so there's the first takeaway is never think that, you know, they're not talking to you. Mm -hmm. You should approach everything. Every request is if, oh, they're talking to me. They want Uh me to be on the board. I'll, you know, I'll do this. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was a surprise to get on, but it's been a real, a real neat learning experience in that I learned about um, the value of certification, which is, which is what the board does. So I would say, you know, being on the board is probably solidified the fact that I feel I feel that there's a necessity for for people in our profession to to show their competence mm-hmm. um, and to you know if you look at any of the salary surveys and and those types of things that that certification raises you up in mm-hmm. your career so that that would be the first takeaway or the second takeaway because I I really do think that when you know when you get these newsletters from the things you belong to like ASSP or NSC or or the board of certified safety professionals, when they ask for help, they, they mean it Mm -hmm. and they're, they're talking to you. Mm -hmm. And the only way to, to get more of those reach outs and more of that ability to, to kind of find things that enrich your career is to do one or two of them. Right. Because the more people you come in contact with, uh, the more opportunities that, that appear. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of has a cascading effect. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm coming into uh, I don't know how much of a secret this is. I've I've been elected to a second term. Congratulations um, for the board of certified safety professionals uh, presidency, and I'm really looking forward to coming into our. They've been around 50 years, so we're having a lot of 50 year celebration type things. You know, we've we've just started the foundation, mm-hmm. um, which. I've been super excited about since the board started talking about it several years ago, mm-hmm. um, because we're having the ability to make a difference in in realms that aren't certification based, mm-hmm. um, in the youth safety realm, which I think we can yeah. all agree is an important area. Absolutely, um, professional development and and you know creating more research around how we do our jobs, yeah. um, and you know what you know, what are the new things coming out and how do we deal with them? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the foundation is, you know, to me is really kind of a thrilling piece of, of my board work. Yeah. Well, I want to hear more about youth safety at some point too, but you had mentioned um, mentorship mm-hmm. and paying attention to mentorship and you and I, at, at some point in our conversations, I don't remember if it was at the cocktail party or not, <laughs> we're talking about um, how do we, how do we fill the female pipeline for our industry and encourage more women to go into what I think we both feel is a STEM field? Yep. Um, and, you know, and, and how do some of these roles and board positions and the foundation work, um, how do you see that um, helping us to fill that female pipeline? And what should we be doing as, uh, <laughs> as fellow women <laughs> to help fill it? So, so I'm not a fan of um, filling filling the quota as it as it were. I think that, you know, mm-hmm. when you start looking for, you know, who's going to be next in the field, it, it it's more about getting the word out and encouraging women in high school mm-hmm. um, as they as they move into college that this is a really cool 
career field, mm-hmm. um, which is part of, you know, some of the youth safety. It's it's some of the board of certified safety professionals mission. It's in the ASSP and the NSC's mission to get more people into the field. Um, but as women in the field, we have to be more active in really giving opportunities uh, to people that we we see have potential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think as we get busier and busier, as we get farther along in our careers, it's it's yeah. easy to say I don't I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to pick up the phone. It's important to encourage you know young women that you see you know on LinkedIn or or at these these mixers that you go to for ASSP mm-hmm. or NSC that you encourage them to reach out to you and then actively look for opportunities for them to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's bring them along to something, whether it's, you know, make some introductions, at least from my end of things, I, I say, you know, what would it have been like if somebody didn't pick up the phone when, when I needed that reach out? And so right. I always yeah. pick up the phone mm-hmm. um, unless I'm busy, but mm-hmm. I pick up the phone and I call people back. And, and if people ask, um, I think that it's incumbent upon us to, to give them the best of, of what we know, right? Um, yeah. the best of us. Yeah. And so I don't know if that speaks directly to women. It speaks to, to, to men any and women. Men, yeah, right. Any mentor, any mentorship. And the farther we get in our careers and the easier it is for us to be busy or clouded over, um, you know, it's easy for us to say, hey, call me anytime. But sometimes it really takes us to do that reach out back to someone who's maybe just getting started in their career True. because they may be thinking, well, they're really busy, <laughs> you know, like, can I, they said, they said that, but was that really the case? Yeah. And, uh, and so sometimes I think, I think part of the mentorship is to be the initiator. Right. Um, right. As well. Yeah. I, I think, and it, I think it also, you know, once you are the initiator and they see that you're going to follow through, mm-hmm. um, because follow through is another big thing with mentoring. Um, yeah. it just snowballs upon itself. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I think I, I see this with my students a lot. I say, you know, here's my cell phone, call me. Maybe that's mm-hmm. not the best, the best way to do it. But I, you know, I say that and mm-hmm. the first person calls me and I actually pick up. Then I see kind of this <laughs> onrush of like yeah. people calling me and it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like they all talk to each other and they say, Hey, she's going to pick up. <laughs> she's going to listen. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I might give good advice. I don't take people's advice, but I give good advice. So, um, <laughs> give me a ring same right that's that's excellent that's excellent I don't know if that answered your question but it 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 did it did I think you know it's an encouragement for for all of us to really do some navel gazing and figure out how can we be mentoring to fill um to fill the pipeline for safety professionals because we know that there's not a lot of us out there and it's on it's incumbent on us um to keep the profession going and to continue sending people home safe well, and I, I also think part of that, too, is, is you know, if you think about what you want the profession to look like after you're gone yeah, um, and you see where the thought leadership is right now, how do you reach the most potential practitioners, young practitioners? And, and for me, the answer was teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I have and staying active in the field, right? Because I think mm-hmm. that there's there's somewhat of a disconnect with a lot of programs that, mm-hmm. you know, instructors get in 10, 12, 15 years, and they're talking about practice back in the 1980s. Right, you have to stay current. So, so mm-hmm. stay current, but for me, it was, I can reach the most people in the most effective and thoughtful way by becoming an academic um, yeah. part-time or full-time. Yeah. Right, right, and you're I'll still able, right, and you're yeah, and you're still able to do your work, um, in, with like you said with your with the crane company that you work for to keep you current. Right. right, it's it's why it's why I so much appreciate being to, able to get into the field now in my position. I'm not a you know a working safety professional as I had been in my last in my last job, but like I said last week, I was you know standing with a guy in a pipe threader, but I was also at a sugar beet processing plant for three days and practicing my safety, my safety skills and seeing new things and the new and ways that uh, the safety director at that facility was doing things. And it keeps me sharp in my practice. And I think it's so important that we don't get outmoded. Um, Yeah, go Go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, and you have a platform here to take that, that those things that you're learning and, and send them out to the 
the general mm-hmm. population. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So we didn't, we didn't talk about family, but I often ask in this podcast because we're safety professionals, what does home life, safety life, <laughs> friends life when, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so I work, I work a lot. I work a lot. Um, but I have a very, um, understanding wife mm-hmm. and, um, I have two little, two little girls, six and three. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I mean, I, I think that there has to be work-life balance. I know that's a trite, trite phrase, but I have a ten- tendency to say yes to a lot of things professionally mm-hmm. and then consult my wife later. And, yeah. and she's very gracious um, in letting me do that. Um, but as my time fills, um, I, I think the takeaway is that you have to find a way to recharge. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, it, you know, you, you need, you need those batteries ready to go Absolutely. by the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I will say that I have some work-life balance, but I'm also, you know, I'm at, at the point in my career where all these great things are appearing yeah. um, because they've snowballed and, and it's mm-hmm. hard to say no, it's hard mm-hmm. to, um, you know, it's hard to say no to an extra year on the board. It's hard to say no to, you know, somebody asking you to do a podcast. Because mm-hmm. I, I think, <laughs> Thank you. I think, that, <laughs> no, but I, I think the, I think it's important because if you get that platform to, to make things better, um, or to make a difference that in, I feel compelled to go with that. And, right. and I have great support at home to do it. Yeah. yeah. And you're saying yes to your value system, it sounds like. Right. And right. yeah, that's excellent. So has your six-year-old caught on to any, any safety <laughs> practice? Yeah. What is it? I know, right? I'm thinking, I'm thinking about my son asking me, mom, what's our safety plan when he was really little? So what does it look like in your house? <laughs> well, so, so recently, I want to say like in the last six months, she's ha- had this awareness that I'm this, she calls me the safety person. She said, you're the uh-huh. safety person, right? And then she calls mm-hmm. me memes. <laughs> she says, you're the safety person, memes. And I'm like, yep. And she'll, we'll be walking around somewhere and she'll say, that doesn't look very safe, does it, memes? <laughs> and, and, you know, my wife does the same yeah. thing. It, it's really interesting. You know, I'll be standing in the line. I would probably two years ago now, I was standing in line at um, Walmart at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And my, my wife was standing looking back into the Christmas section mm-hmm. and she's, she's going under her breath. She's going, turn around, turn around, turn around. Mm-hmm. And I turned around and there was somebody getting a box, a, an employee getting a box off the top, top shelf of that shelving in the, in the Christmas decorations area. And she mm-hmm. was outside mm-hmm. of the lift outside mm-hmm. with one foot on the lift and one foot on the, mm-hmm. on the on the actual shelf and the thing was wobbling mm. and you know, my, it, it, it kind of warms my heart. Not that this employee was doing this, but that right. my wife and my family have now kind of adopted that same sort of, Hey, that's not right. Yeah. And, you know, actually will point it out to me and you know me, I went over and said, said something. Yeah. Yeah. Said something, <laughs> emailed Walmart, you know, did all those mm-hmm. things that, mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to do as the safety person. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was kind of heartwarming when my, my daughter finally realized that this is what I do for work and it was mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm keeping people safe. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> my son has called me the, the, uh, the safety mom. The for, safety mom. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And then, and then maybe brace yourself when they get to be teenagers. At least this has been my experience. He finds it a bit annoying and he now has called, he calls me worst case scenario mom. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am always the one that's saying, get down, get down off the couch and don't jump on that. And Uh I don't like how you're doing that. And, you know, Uh and so it kind of, sometimes it makes me look bad, but they'll thank me for it when they're walking around upright. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. My son's like, mom, you just take every story and you can tell me how, how I can, you know, kill (laughs) myself, you know, be me, go horribly wrong. (laughs) And he's like, you should just like chill out. (laughs) I no. said, oh, it's not my job to chill out with you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I'll, you know, I think in this profession, you can't turn it off. No, you it, just, that's the thing. You can't. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you can't. It's, it's, it's not, and our kids are just going to have to deal with it because uh, I guess there's a lot worse we could yeah. be doing, right? <laughs> right, right. Right. I suppose. 
Oh man. Well, before we round out our time together today, Linda, is um is there is there anything you'd like to share with uh with the listeners, maybe somebody just getting started or maybe someone who's maybe even a little stuck in our career right now? You know, as I said before, I, I think part of the hesitancy with people getting either getting into our field or or finding a leg up is that they don't think when these these reach outs come out that the people are talking to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think have the confidence to say, you know, I want to participate. And, you know, even if I give a little bit, um, I'm going to try to add value here. And if, yeah. if, if these leaders in the industry that are involved in these activities see that, they will take an interest. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I take an interest. If somebody wants to learn, then I'm here to teach. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're stuck, you know, there's there's certification, there's the OTI, there's uh, higher education that's accessible online now. Mm-hmm. If you're passionate about safety, there are avenues to, to make your knowledge base better, to, to get involved. And, you know, I, I, again, I'm kind of Pollyanna because I'm always that person that's you know, glass half full, you know, mm-hmm. see, see everything that, that happens in your career as a learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at least you learn, you don't want to do that again, or you don't want to get in that situation again. Mm-hmm. And if you can change your mindset, and now I'm, I'm kind of getting into the realm of, of that, that coaching, but mm-hmm. if you can change your mindset into, into feeling and knowing that everything happens for a reason, and that, you know, somewhere in the back of your mind, you're destined you're destined to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, good things will happen. Your career yeah. will advance, you know, reach out. Um, yeah. I don't know. What is, yeah. What is this here to teach me? What is this is, here to teach me? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of why, why me? Why, me? <laughs> why this yeah. challenge? I've, but I've been, I've what is been this there, here to but, teach you know, me? I'm yes, telling right? you, don't say why me. Say, what can I do with this? Right. You right. Know? Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Linda, for being a guest on the podcast. And again, congratulations on the Marion Martin Award. And Thank I'm you. so happy that we met accidentally at a cocktail party. At a cocktail party. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll meet at more cocktail parties. That'd be fantastic. That would be, that would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, and thank you all so much for joining in and listening today. And thank you all for the work that you do to make sure your workers go home safe every day. You can listen to all of our podcast episodes at vividlearningsystems.com or subscribe in the podcast player of your choosing. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's yourself, please contact me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.